0: I just want to say, Philippians is one of the one of the books that Paul wrote while he was in prison. Okay, and so there's uh, they call them in the Bible prison epistles, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, Philemon. Uh, these books were written while he was in prison, and so uh, and and now it's interesting. Whenever he wrote. Um, uh, uh, the Galatian church and the, uh, the, the book of Colossians which was one of the other um, prison epistles he was writing those churches because there were problems in the church and he was the apostle he was the overseer of the church so there were problems in the church he was writing them a letter and he was saying hey guys get it together this is what righteousness looks like turn the ship and start acting this way But when he wrote the Philippian church, that's not why he was writing them. He wasn't writing them to realign them or to correct them. There wasn't anything wrong in the church. He was actually writing them to say thank you because it was the Philippian church that had sacrificed the most to support him financially. So he was writing them mostly to express his affection to them to tell them how much he loved them how much he appreciated them and then also in parallel to encourage their spiritual life to be filled with joy and so either the word joy or rejoice was mentioned 14 times in this very small book and so Uh, What is perplexing, which, which makes us want to read this book slowly and devour it, is he's encouraging them to be joyful and full of joy, like he is, but he's in jail. There's not a lot of people that are in jail and are excited about being there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Especially if you shouldn't be there. There's a re if you ever talk to somebody who's in jail and they shouldn't be there, usually they're not in a good mood. I'm just saying. Usually speaking. And so, if this guy is able to be so full of joy and in a good mood, um and, and be so positive and have such a great relationship with God in the middle of this trying season. And to be able to encourage somebody in the middle of a rough season. I don't know about you, when I'm in a good mood and things are going well, it's easy for me to encourage people. But when I'm in a bad mood and things aren't going well, the best thing for me to do is just lock myself up in my room because it's hard for me to be positive when things aren't going positive. Are you with me? So we're just going to spend the next few minutes just uh, just aiming for Philippians chapter 3. We've already hit Philippians 2, Philippians 1. Now we're going to dive into Philippians 3. And I'm going to pull out four things that he taught that are just incredibly cool, okay? Um, now, the, the theme or the premise of, of what I'm going to talk about tonight is running straight. And, and what I mean by that is, is Paul refers to our life on this earth like a race. And, and as you know, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And so what we don't want to do when we're living our life is to take a bunch of detours or waste a lot of time, energy, and effort by zigzagging, right? We want to run straight and efficient, okay? So in chapter 3, he shows us how to do that. So let's study first the first verse in chapter 3. It reads like this, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. All right, so let's unpack this. Just that one verse right there. He's saying whatever happens, whatever kind of day you're having, Whatever kind of season you're having, whatever's going on, rejoice. Now let's use, typically most of us don't use that word rejoice as a part of our our normal vernacular. So let me just kind of break that word down. He's saying, praise God for the good things that are happening to you regardless of what kind of day you're having, okay? Whatever day you're having, if you're having a bad day, thank God for the things that are happening that are good. If you're having a good day, if you're having a bad season, if you're having a good season, praise God for whatever is happening. Now listen to this. In order to do this, we have to claw our way. This isn't easy. This takes focus, this takes energy to claw our way out of despondency and and depression to say thank you for things. Now, if we want to put our our church mask on and just say, praise the Lord, now on to point number two. That's not reality. The Bible says so long as you're in this world, you are gonna have trouble. Are you guys out there? Yes. So long as you're here, you're going to have trouble. You're going to open up your email box and somebody's going to be telling you what you did wrong. It's just, it's just going to happen. Has anyone here thought, maybe I don't need email in my life? <laughs> it's just too easy for somebody to give me a piece of their mind. Are you with me? It's too easy. Text messaging. Whose brilliant idea was that? They, people can talk to you right now and they know you're getting that message. Whether you respond or not, they know you got it. It's too easy to get in your world. I can get in your world right now. Ba, 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 boom, I'm in it. You read it. I'm in your head, baby. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. You know, these things happen. It happens. My goodness, it happens. And what Paul is saying, it doesn't matter if your inbox is full of people setting you straight, texting you, calling you, good day, bad day. You've gone on your 78th interview and haven't got a job yet. doesn't matter. Find things to worship about. And then watch what he says here. He goes, I'm telling you this because it safeguards your faith now what does that mean that means if if you don't do this your faith is going to be like a rock in a pool if you and i don't say thank you for The fact that I can I can eat with my own hands if if we could only say thank you that I'm not in a hospital tonight. Thank you that I live in America. Thank you that I don't need a machine to help me breathe right now. Thank you for my house. Thank you that I have lots of pillows in my house. I can sleep on that one or that one or that one or that one. And if you say, well, I've never really thanked them for a pillow. Have you ever slept without one? Thank God for pillows. Thank God for pillows. Just, just thank you that I have a bed to sleep on tonight. Have you ever slept on the floor? You start thanking God for beds and pillows and clothes. Every single one of you this morning woke up and went, hmm, what shirt should I wear? I have so many to pick from. And the biggest concern some of us had was, did I wear that shirt recently? (laughs) I don't want to wear the same thing too close together. I don't want to be that guy. I want I want people to know that I have more clothes than just this particular piece of clothing. God forbid somebody think I don't have a lot of clothes. God's been so good to us. We open up our refrigerator and go, what do I want to eat? What do I want to eat? What do I want to eat? And then we go, there's so much ways. What do I want to eat? What do I there's no food. We don't have enough food we open up our cupboards and there's cans of food everywhere we don't feel like that food. We, feel like food we don't feel like this food we don't feel like this food we don't feel like that food we even have coffee that has different flavors of coffee do you like Italian coffee Colombian coffee sometimes we gotta back up and say God thank you so much for coffee <laughs> And, and what Paul is saying is, he's saying, look, if you don't do this, you're not safeguarding your faith. You're exposing your faith to, to dissipate. Faith is like this, 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 this rose that you have to protect it. It needs, it needs enough sun, but it needs enough water. You got to protect your faith. And if you don't, and if I don't, concentrate... On uh, praising him. You know, I I was telling God the other day, I was was saying this. I can't spend this much time on, on one point. But I was like, God, after I had asked for, you know, it's good to ask for things. The Bible tells us to ask for things. It says, come to him with supplications. That means ask me for things. So I was asking him for things, asking him for things. And then I told God, I said, God, I don't want my life. I don't want my relationship with you to just be filled with a whole bunch of disappointment as I'm waiting for you to answer my prayers. That's not an enjoyable relationship. I don't want that kind of relationship with you where I'm just in this constant state of waiting in this constant state of disappointment. That's not the relationship I want with you. And it was like he took this thought and and it was like bubblegum in heaven and stuck it on the tip of an arrow and went, because that thought just went right into my mind, just shot it right into my head. That's just how I think. I'm sorry. But he just took a thought and went, and it was just like, praise me for what you have and you'll enjoy our relationship. So I started saying, thank you for this carpet, thank you for these shoes, thank you for these socks. And then they starts getting more substance. Thank you for my kids. Thank you that my wife has so much patience. Any other woman. Do you know why I didn't marry an American girl? American girls would have left me. I had to find a Canadian to find a Canadian girl that was the only girl God looked on at the entire country and when I can't find one I'm sorry and then set us up on a blind date true story God had to blind her up (laughs) (laughs) To blind her up it's the only way it was gonna happen I said thank you God for Allie thank you God for Allie man it's a good time for a hallelujah. Just throw me out a hallelujah if you want to. <laughs> verse 2. This is a fun verse. I've only got four points in this chapter, so let's enjoy them as we go through them. Watch out for those dogs. This is gonna be a fun verse, right? Watch out for those dogs, those those people who do evil, those mutilators. I, I love his verbs. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, is 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 verbs verse, uh, adverbs, adjectives, adjectives. Uh, those, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. See, let's just unpack this, okay? So, dogs, <laughs> maybe Paul was an Italian. Those dogs, those dogs, don't listen to those dogs. <laughs> and when he talks about a dog, he's, he's talking about contentious people, contentious people. I don't know if you have any contentious people in your, li- in your life, they're, they're people that have coarse language, coarse jokes. Um, they just rub you, they're sandpaper people, they just... I think that's the best way I can describe them is with my face. Just... <laughs> that person. Just... That guy. It's it's the the person that is is rude, they're they're a little crude. But then there's a a different breed of dog, equally as harmful, that there's something attractive about them, but they're not godly. But they're attractive. Uh, Let me me give you an example, I used to have this buddy of mine. uh, I'm just going to rename him just in case this recording gets out. Um, let's call him Max, okay? I don't have any friends named eh, Max. Um, he, um, every time I played basketball with him, uh, would go to the gym, would play basketball, he'd get into a fight every time, every single time he'd get into a fight. And, and uh, there's a part of me... Uh, when I was uh younger that i 'd think to myself man it 's kind of cool it 's kind of cool to have a buddy that like beats up everybody <laughs> I know we 're like it 's not even cool to say <laughs> <laughs> right but but it's kinda, it 's kind of okay maybe it 's just me and this warped brain that I have, but every time it, This was uh, was before I was really saved, okay? But every time I go to the gym, it always gets into a fight. It always beats somebody up. Every single time. Every single time. And there was a part of me that's just like... And and at that time, I was actually going through my ministerial internship. I was actually going to Bible college at the same time. And so here I am trying to figure out how I'm going to be a pastor one day. My best buddy is like beating people up. And it was kind of an odd mix, right? But as much as I was, I was wanting more of God in my life, I was really admiring how this guy was just, could kick everybody's tail. So there's a part of me that's just kind of like, I kind of like it, I kind of like it, and I wouldn't mind being able to box like that. Just being honest. You see, the, the corrupt people that Paul is speaking about. He's speaking about these dogs. Oftentimes, these corrupt people, in my personal experience, are there's a part of them that's kind of attractive. That's why so often you see people that are believers, they love the Lord, they start dating somebody who doesn't love God. Well, why would they ever do that? Well, very often, people that are not righteous have something attractive about them. And that's what Paul is saying. He's going, be careful about these dogs, these mutilators that preach circumcision. Now, what is circumcision? <laughs> not going to really unpack that in detail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to unpack that in detail, but what he is saying is that these guys that are preaching circumcision, they're saying, you can be more righteous and you can be more holy if you circumcise your flesh. And, and it's, it's a kind of a type and shadow of somebody coming up to us saying, you can be more holy this way. and And... And and it's a very scary thing when you talk to somebody, especially in the church world, where they kind of posture themselves like they're a little bit more holy than you. Have you ever talked to somebody like that? They kind of, they can hear God better than the rest of us. You got to be careful, especially in spirit-filled circles, in our circle. They can kind of hear God better than we can you know some of you might know somebody like that they can they 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 understand the scriptures a little bit better they posture themselves this way and and then they kind of coach hey this is you got to start doing this and you got to start doing that and you you need to start doing this and you need to start doing that and you need to start doing this and 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 it feels like you can never really measure up you know, and what Paul says is he says, hey, hey, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. Let, let me let me address this whole issue. And then so he, he talks about what what do we really need to be focusing in on? I mean, do you do you really need to be looking at what you need to be doing better? And so he backs up and he says this in, in verse number seven. I once thought these things were valuable talking about circumcision But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. So what is he saying here? He's saying, hey, look. All of these dogs that make you feel like you've got to start doing this and you've got to start doing that and you got to start doing this, and you got to start doing that, to be more holy, I would say this. This is Paul speaking. Our holiness is found in having faith in Jesus Christ. That's where our holiness is. Now, I need for some of you guys to give me some margin as I hit this point. Okay, I'm just telling you, I need you to give me some margin because I'm only preaching these verses. And the reason why I need some margin is I am not suggesting that we don't need to strive and pursue righteousness and strive and pursue holiness. I'm not suggesting that okay? I'm preaching these four points, and the thing that you have to be careful about whenever you study the Bible is you can't take those four points and make them separate from the rest of the Bible, okay? So the Bible is very serious about be holy as I'm holy. We're supposed to pursue holiness and pursue righteousness and strive to be like Jesus because all those things are incredibly important. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I need you to give me some margin here, okay? I'm preaching a 35 minute message to you. I don't have an hour and 35 minutes to build all the other scriptures that are attached to these four scriptures. Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you with me? Nobody email me tonight. Okay. (laughs) All right. So here's the thing. This is what Paul's saying. There are dogs. There are contentious people that will come into your life and they will set up standards for you and they will insinuate that you need to start doing this. You need to start doing that. You need to start doing this so that you can be as holy as them. I'm saying back to you, the number one thing that makes us most holy and most righteous is to recognize that our faith in Jesus Christ, to say, Jesus, if it weren't for your blood that covers me, I would have nothing at all. I would have nothing at all. It's your blood. I thank you, Jesus. In fact, sometimes when I pray, I say, God, I want to pray to you as long as I possibly can, but I don't want to say another word without a fresh pouring of the blood of Jesus on me. When you look at me, I want you to see a being with just covered blood all over me because that is what I need most. I need the blood of Jesus to forgive me of all of my sins. And it's at that moment right there where I'm calling on the name of Jesus, where I'm calling on his repentance that is more valuable than every single righteous thing I did that day. Paul says it this way, I count the rest of all of my actions as rubbish, as garbage, compared to Compared to, that doesn't mean that we don't strive for righteousness, but in comparison, you hear me? That doesn't mean don't pursue those things, that doesn't mean don't try, It doesn't mean don't strive. But in comparison, the best thing is faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, in another place in the Bible, he says all of my righteousness is like filthy rags compared to Jesus. So what am I telling you tonight? Every time you feel beat up, every time you feel down, every time you don't feel like you're, you're a poor excuse of a son and daughter of God, you're just one big fake Don't even pretend. Just stay home. I would tell you this. That's the enemy speaking to you. Because the most precious thing you have is your knowing that Jesus died for you. And that his blood is still on you. And that right there is so precious. It's so wonderful. It's so amazing that all of our good acts are like rubbish. Are you with me? Put your hands together for the blood of Jesus. Would you do that? All right, let's keep on unpacking. Philippians, uh, where are we at here? Philippians chapter, uh, here we go, here we go, here we go. Um, Oh, actually, I want to read a few verses that are not in Philippians to you that are so important because What Paul said, I'm still on that last train of thought. What he said was this. He goes, uh, true um, circumcision is when we abandon all confidence in ourself. That's true circumcision. That's the true cutting of flesh. That's that's real circumcision. And uh, when we begin to say... Everything good is not going to come because I'm brilliant and I'm charismatic and I can sing or I'm smart or... Everything good is going to end up coming from God. That's real circumcision. That's when we take our flesh and we, we cut it. Watch what these verses are. I don't know if they were able to get it on the screen because I sent it to them late. But in Deuteronomy 29 verse 9... It reads like this. So keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all you do. Do you see that? That you may prosper in all you do. Does anyone here, you, you want to prosper? Come on, let me see. You, you want to, you want to. Do you know that in your best might, if you work 100 hours a week, get up at four in the morning, It will not outweigh the consequences of prosperity just simply by hanging on to the promises and covenant of God. Let's read that scripture again. Put it on the screen. Deuteronomy 29, verse 9. Let's read it out loud on three. One, two, three, go. So keep... All right, now everybody read it just a little bit louder. One, two, three, go. So keep... Man, that's good. Here's another verse that's right along those same lines in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Let's read it real loud, okay? Be strong and very courageous... Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. All right, now let's read it one more time, real loud. One, two, three, go. Be strong. That's real circumcision right there. When you, when you take your flesh and you push it aside, all of your skills, all of your talents, all of your attributes. I like how Dr. Raymond Murtry says it. He says, the only thing good in me is God. I, I love it when he says that. But when you push it all aside and you say, God, put that scripture back up there, please. You, you back up and you say, I can only be... Successful and prosperous if I don't turn to the right, if I don't turn to the left, if I just hang on to the promises of God. That's real circumcision. When you take your flesh and your ego and your pride and push it aside and say anything that's really good anything that's really great anything that's really worth having it's going to come from you it's going to come from you think about this what's the best thing in your whole life just mumble it to yourself the best thing you have in your life go ahead mumble it think about it and mumble it go ahead Best thing in your life. Best thing. Somebody, I heard someone say Jesus. Outside of Jesus, what's the best thing in your life? Your kids. I mean, since they're not here, that's the best thing in your life, right? <laughs> when they're sleeping, they're the best thing in my life. Your kids. Is that the best thing in your life? Your mom. Your dad. Let's keep going down the list. Do you have a job that's a real big blessing. Let I me mean, think about it, unpack that a little bit. The best of I the mean, top five things in your whole life. Now, how much did you have to do with those five things? Wasn't it God who picked out that kid for you? Wasn't it God? If you, wasn't it God, those top five things? Now, when you start going down the list to like number 42, 43, maybe you made those things kind of happen. But when you get to the top, I mean, the, the best things in your life, wasn't it God? Yes, amen. What, what do you value most in your life? Your health? It, it, isn't, isn't that God? I mean, i got to tell you, I've seen a lot of people with cancer at 37 years old that's eating more vegetables than all of us put together. Isn't it God? So, so if the best things that we've ever had in our entire life are from God, wouldn't it be a safe assumption to assume the best things we will ever have in our life will be from God too? I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm just, I'm just talking. I'm just talking go to last and final point here point number four this is out of the king james version Um, uh, go ahead and throw up philippians chapter 3 verse 12 i've been reading out of the new living version but i just like the way the king james reads it Um, not as though this is paul saying this he's going look, not as though i had already attained I, i haven't got this yet okay this is what he's saying i'm not here yet okay Either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, why do I like it in that version? Because of the word apprehend. The word apprehend means to take hold of. And so what he's saying is this. Okay, you can, you can take it down now. No, well, Look at me. I love this. He's saying this. I haven't got here yet. I haven't got here yet. Okay, I haven't got here yet. But this is, this is what I'm trying to do. I want to apprehend that which has apprehended me hold on let me reword it I haven't got here yet but something God in in some way has gotten a hold of me he's got a hold of me he's got a hold of my heart I can't even cuss without feeling bad I look at one thing, I feel bad. I skip church, I feel bad. It's got a hold of me. I can't help it. It's got a hold of my heart. It's got a hold of me. It's the what I want. I haven't got here yet, but he's got a hold of me. I want to get a hold of him. You got a hold of me. I want to get a hold of you. You know what I like. You know how I think. You know how I feel. Because you got a hold of me. Well, I want to get a hold of you. I want to know what you think. I want to know how you feel. I want want to get a hold of you too. Not that I've already attained this, but one thing I do do is I forget what I've done. I forget the past. And I strain forward, then press towards the goal. You see what he's saying here? Something's got me. Every time I get frustrated with my faith and I go, man, this just isn't working, I quit. I start feeling this pulling in my heart to keep on trying. Does something have a hold of you? Are are you with me? Something just, it's just like he just won't let go. I'm not gonna go to church tonight. I'm so tired. It's Wednesday. All right, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Are you with me? I'll go. What has it got hold on me? What is that all about? Oh no! And Paul is saying it. I look here. Before I even say it, I have not got this down yet. But what I want to do, oh, that I may apprehend that which has apprehended me.